There is but one verse of Scripture, which is our text that appears in the Scripture reading. But for purposes of hearing more of the Word of God, as well as to understand the context of this particular one verse, I'm going to begin in Romans 15, chapter 1, and read the dozen verses that precede it. Hear now the Word of the Lord. This is St. Paul speaking to the church at Rome. We who are strong have an obligation to hear, to bear with the feelings of the weak, and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another, in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. For I tell you that Christ became a servant to the uncircumcised to show God's truthfulness in order to confirm the promise given to the patriarchs and in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy as it is written. Therefore, I will praise you among the Gentiles and sing to your name. And again it is said, Rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let all the peoples extol him. And again, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse will come, even he who arises to rule the Gentiles. In him will the Gentiles hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. The word of the Lord. You may be seated. The title that Brother Baker has assigned to this passage is A Certain Hope. And I don't know what sense he means that. You'll have to come at 9.30 or 11 to find out. But I'll tell you what it says to me. There's two senses. One is the hope is certain. It is secure. The hope we have as Christians is ratified, certified, bona fide, and will one day be completely accomplished. A hope is an expectation that has its foundation in what our text said, believing in faith. But it's not only a certain hope, but it is a certain hope. It is directed and embodied in a certain place and in a certain person, and that is in Jesus Christ. I was going to ask you before I read the scripture, and I forgot to do it, I was going to ask you to notice how many times the passage used the word Gentiles. I think you picked it up because it just went on and on and on. Gentiles. What is the 
significance of this. Well, Paul is writing to a church that is composed of both Jews and Gentiles. He's writing at a time in the first century when the church is beginning to shift. Do you know that in the early days, the first 20 years or more of the Christian church, that it was a completely Jewish outfit? Everybody there was Jewish. Everybody there were, was from Palestine and from Judea and the diaspora, the Jews from around the world. On the day of Pentecost, everybody in the court was a Jew. They were the circumcised. They were the people of God. They were the ones that had the historic hope of Israel. They were waiting for the Christ and for the Messiah. And as the gospel began to be preached there on Pentecost following the resurrection and ascension of Christ... Many of those Jews believed. Many of them believed. The Bible says thousands were added on a daily basis as they had faith and belief in Jesus Christ, the, the one of Nazareth, the crucified carpenter, had been raised by the power of the Holy Spirit and was in fact the long-expected Christ. And that's what Paul says in this particular passage there in the very middle of it when he says, for I tell you that Christ became a servant to the circumcised to show God's truthfulness in order to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs. The fathers, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, all of the ancestors of God's people had an expectation and Jesus Christ came unto his own. He came under the law, a child of the covenant, of the house of David. He came to his own people as their Messiah. And he fulfilled every jot and tittle of the law that had been spoken concerning him and the predictions and the prophecies that are in the Psalms and that are in the prophets. And all of Scripture was fulfilled and pointed to him. And he was the servant to make sure that Israel, the gospel Paul told him very, at the very outset of this letter, he said, it's to the Jew first. Where does such a notion like this come from? Well, all through the Old Testament, God pointed out over and over that Israel, such as it was, and at times they were not so exemplary in their conduct. At times they were not so attractive. At times they had failed to be what God had called them to be. He says in the book of Isaiah, you shall be my witnesses. And they weren't very good witnesses. He told them they would be the light to the Gentiles. Sometimes they were dimly lit lights. But they were still his people. He never gave up on them. Because you see, even the promise that God had made to Abraham had been predated by a promise that covered that. I'm going to point you to a passage of Scripture that you probably have not heard a series of sermons on. It's in the book of Genesis chapter 9, after the flood with Noah. And you know the events of the post-Diluvian activities of Noah and his sons. But listen to this little prophecy that the Lord gives in chapter 9, verse 26 and 7. And God also said... Blessed be the Lord, the God of Shem. Noah had three sons, Ham, Japheth, and Shem. 
But God identified himself with Shem. God is the God of the Semite, the Shemite. He's going to come and work through that lineage. He's going to work through that generation. Salvation is of the Jews. Everything that God does is a work within the promises to Shem, to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. God centers his work in that lineage. God works by that family. He works with that root. But notice the next verse. May God enlarge Japheth. And I'm telling you, that's taken place. The descendants of Japheth today are over two-thirds of the world's population. All the Asians and all the Caucasians and others are descended from Japheth. And listen, may the Lord, may God enlarge Japheth. And then listen to this. And let him, Japheth, dwell in the tents of Shem. How do you come to know the true God? You get under the tent, the tabernacle of Shem. God belongs to Shem and Japheth. The other nations, the other peoples, the Gentiles as they would come to be known. The Goim, the people, the ethne, the ethnic groups. All the Gentiles descended from the other sons of Noah, and particularly must come to the certain hope. They must take upon themselves the hope of Israel. If they are to have hope, and the Bible describes the Gentiles in the book of Ephesians as those who are without God in the world and without hope, Ephesians 2. They didn't, Gentiles didn't have the covenant. They didn't have the lineage. They didn't have the promises. They didn't have the scriptures. They didn't have the priesthood. They didn't have the temple. They didn't have the prophets. I won't ask for a show of hands, but how many of you here suspect you're a Gentile? <laughs> that you did not descend from Shem. I'm telling you, that was your plight in the great economy of God, except that Shem had a hope. He had an expectation that God would deliver and save and redeem and rescue, and that he would not be without God and without hope in the world. But the descendants of the Gentiles were pretty much out. They were confined even in the temple to the outer courts of the temple. And yet, over and over and over in Scripture, the Lord talked about the peoples, the Gentiles. We're studying the book of Psalms in our little uh, Jan uh, uh, summer Bible study. And we're looking at the Psalms. And in each Psalm, we're looking at a couple of features we're trying to find Christ there, but we're also looking at some of the themes. And one of the most prevalent themes anywhere in the book of Psalms is over and over is that the Gentiles, the peoples, are to praise the Lord. They are to come to the Lord. They are to rejoice in the Lord. 
Because you see, in God's good providence, in God's mercy and plan, God would extend the gospel hope to the Gentiles. And here in our text, in verses uh, 9, it says, In order that the Gentiles might glorify God, for it is mercy. God fulfilled everything He was going to promise. He promised to Shem and to Abraham and Isaac, Jacob and Moses and David and all the rest, but it was not exclusively for them. They were to be the conduit. They were to be the vehicle in which the blessings of God would flow to the whole world, to the population of the planet. And Paul then goes on to quote. He quotes from the law, the book of Deuteronomy. He quotes from the book of 2 Samuel in the former prophets. He quotes from the book of Isaiah in the latter prophets. And he quotes twice, three times total in our passage from the book of Psalms. He says, I will praise you among the Gentiles. I will sing to your name. And again, it says, rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. That's where the joy comes to us, is that we now identify with God's people. We are a part of what God has done and is doing throughout all of human history. And again, verse 11, praise the Lord, all ye Gentiles, and let all the peoples extol him. Over and over in the Old Testament, you find references to congregations in every city. Little flocks of men, they're called in the book of Ezekiel. In every city, in every nation. That's a flat-out prophecy of the expansion of Israel to include the Gentiles. And the blessing and the hope of Israel comes to the peoples, to the, to the Gentiles. And here it is. It's focused right here in verse 12. And again, Isaiah says... The root of Jesse will come. Who is the root of Jesse? If you don't know who Jesse is after all last year preaching through the book of First and Second Samuel, then we're going to have to put you in a remedial course. <laughs> Jesse, of course, is of the tribe of Judah. He is the father of King David. And one of the things I would say almost every sermon, it's not about Saul, it's not about Samuel, it's not about David. It's about Christ. And he is the root and the offspring, the alpha and the omega of the tribe of Judah, where we get our term Jew from Judah. The chosen tribe, the kingly tribe, the princely tribe, the tribe of Jesse, the tribe of David, and of course, ultimately, it's the tribe of Jesus. Through one lineage, and if you want to look it up and look at the particulars generation by generation, note two of the Gospels, Matthew and Luke both, do a lot of hard work to show us this lineage and if you want to check it out really carefully, you'll see it goes all the way back through not only David, but also Judah 
and Abraham and Shem. God is at work bringing it all to pass, delivering our salvation to us. Even he who arises to rule the Gentiles. It's talking about Jesus Christ. And don't miss that word, he who arises. Rise up, O Lord, is a, a command and a plea in Scripture often. And it says that in order to do the work that needs to be done in salvation, there needs to be a resurrection, a rising up, a standing up again. That's what Jesus Christ has done. He was raised, the Bible says, in power. He's raised in glory. He was raised to be a king. He was crowned with glory and honor. And he was raised up to sit upon the throne of David, which the Old Testament scriptures tell us that it was at the right hand of God. That's where the real throne of David is. Sit thou at my right hand until I make all thine enemies thy footstool. Here's the great theme of the Bible, the kingdom of God. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory. And this is what we have here, that he arises to rule the Gentiles. In another place, Isaiah will tell us in the prophecy that the rising of the king is to rule with a rod of iron. Speaking of the dominance and the sovereignty, the dominion, the justice, the righteous rule of the king, the rule that cannot be resisted, a rod of iron. It says, He arises to rule the Gentiles, in him will the Gentiles hope. The hope of eternal salvation, the hope of your life, the hope of humanity is the risen Lord, Jesus Christ. And you come to him by entering into the, the tabernacles, the temples of Shem. You come bowing your knees to the God of Shem. And then upon this great truth, Paul gives his benediction. May the God of hope, what hope? The hope of Israel, which has now become the Gentiles' hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy. That's rejoicing, that's singing unto the Lord, that's thanksgiving and praise, that's worship and peace, that's shalom. That is all the well-being, all the wholeness, all the goodness, the mental and the moral well-being, the cleansing of sins, and all the blessings that flow from salvation in believing. It's by faith. You don't cook it up. You don't conjure it up. You don't work it up. You don't deserve it. You don't earn it. You just believe God. And if God hasn't laid down a track record of truthfulness and faithfulness that just calls and reaches out and pulls you in to, to trust Him, to believe in Him, to obey Him, then I don't know what else the Lord can do. 
If God saves your soul today, it will be because he's been on the job since the flood. I can read a few verses of scripture to you to let you know he's been on the job since before the foundation of the world too. God has gone a long way. A long way in saving us. He's been at work through a long period of time and over lots of obstacles. We, we didn't deal too much with the first part of this passage, but here is one. It says, Christ did not please himself, but it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. Those are words in the mouth of Jesus. He bore the reproach. He bore the shame. He bore the sin, the guilt, the curse for you in your place. Salvation is certainly of the Jews. But it's in the Messiah of the Jews that all the Gentiles have hope. And Paul never forgets where the real power is. Notice the very last phrase of our benediction so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. Who calls you? Who draws you? Who woos you? Who convinces you of your sin and your inadequacy? Who opens your eyes to see the glories of Christ? of what he has done for you in your place, on your behalf. Who does that work of bringing you from death to life? Who's the one that quickens and stirs and engenders eternal life in the dead soul? But the Holy Spirit. May God the Father have his way and may his spirit never rest until all of those that he has desired will come to him. He said, call unto me and I will answer you. I'll show you great and mighty things which you didn't even know. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whosoever will may come and drink of the water of life freely. Come without money, without price. And buy and feast upon the bread of life. That's your hope. It's a certain hope. It's a certain hope. It's in a certain person, Christ Christ.